The scripture for this Lord's Day is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the minds of Pharaoh and his officials were changed toward the people. And they said, what have we done letting Israel leave our service? So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us free from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord <coughs> tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ken. And let us pray. We reach out to you again, O Lord, our God, praying for your spirit to continue to move 
among us and within us. We pray for your still small voice to continue to speak to each one of us that word of comfort or truth or challenge that we're in need of hearing. By your grace, O oh God, your love and presence in our midst, may it be so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a boy growing up, back before the advent of the internet or YouTube, even before cable TV existed, we just had a handful of channels on our TV set. That was it. And at the time, it seemed like all one could ever hope for or need. Every night at about midnight, it would all turn off for the night. The broadcasting day would cease. They'd play the national anthem. They'd show an American flag. And the next day, the new day of programming would, would start at around 6 a.m. And each year, it was usually on Palm Sunday or maybe Easter Sunday evening. Each year, one of the networks would air that blockbuster movie, The Ten Commandments. It starred Charlton Heston as Moses. It was a long movie. Being a school night, I was usually sent up to bed before it ended. But the scene from that movie that I remember the most that happened before I went to bed most years was of Moses delivering his people from bondage to freedom, from death to life by crossing the Red Sea leading them from the oppression of Pharaoh in a life of slavery, a life of serving Pharaoh's wishes instead of God's wishes. It's the story that we find in this morning's scripture. Here's how it unfolds. The Hebrew people are in the wilderness. They are in the midst of their escape. And the climax, the culminating moment, is when they see that Pharaoh's army is gaining on them. There are soldiers and chariots and weapons all getting closer and closer. They are terrified. And all hope appears to be lost. And Moses, he is a role model for all spiritual leaders. Moses says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you if you will only keep still. Stand firm. Keep still. Then Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the waters are divided. That's how scripture describes it. And the Hebrew people escape those forces that threaten to enslave or to kill them. It's an expression of God's power, God's faithfulness to his people. It's a continuation of the theme of covenant. The waters return and cover the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remains, but the Israelites walk on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. God is faithful. God rescues them. God is with them. 
And so, friends, amidst the storms and the rough waters and the forces that threaten through un- the forces that threaten to undo you, what do you this day need to be rescued from? It's the question that this passage and that this sermon asks of us. What do you need to be rescued from? My heart sank this past week seeing the images and reading the stories of the lives and communities devastated by Hurricane Ian in Florida. The governor said it was a once every 500 years storm. Countless homes and communities damaged beyond recognition. And to be sure, there were countless rescues that took place by land and by air and by sea. This past week, I met a Presbyterian minister whose name is Robert. He's a missionary in the Ukraine, helping rescue children from lives of poverty and hunger and hopelessness. He's got quite a story. Prior to seminary, he attended the U.S. Coast Guard Academy, and he said that experience changed him. Ever since those four years, and he graduated way back in 1982, ever since then, he has viewed himself as being a rescuer of people in trouble. It's become his core identity through all the different jobs that he's held, all the different seasons in his life, rescuing those who are hurting or in need of help. And so he founded an organization that ministers to the children of the Ukraine, those whose parents don't have the means to care for them, those who don't have parents, those who are simply living on the street and have no one. He rescues them. What about you? And what about me? That's the question. What is it we need to be rescued from and be rescued by God's intervention, God's generosity and goodness and grace? I bet you've heard the old preacher story about the hiker that was out in the wilderness one day on a long hike and he accidentally fell off a cliff and he was just barely able to grab hold of a branch that was sticking out before he would have fallen a couple of hundred feet to his death. And so he was dangling there on the side of this cliff and he was screaming out for help, 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 someone help me. And finally this voice booms from the heavens. My child, this is God. You are not alone. I will not let you despair. I'm here to rescue you, but you must trust me. And the first thing you must do is let go. There's a pause while the man hangs there thinking, and he calls up yelling even louder, is there anybody else up there? What is it that you need to be rescued from? And do you trust our loving and all-powerful God to do the rescuing? Maybe it's a focus on self instead of on others. That's your first thought every morning when you get up. That's your last thought 
every night as your head hits the pillow yourself. Maybe it's that you're so intent on meeting everyone else's needs that you fail to care for your own physical or emotional or spiritual needs and that people-pleasing or over-functioning is something you need to be rescued from. On this World Communion Sunday, I gently ask if perhaps what you need to be rescued from is a partisan perspective regarding some topic, some issue. You feel so strongly that you are the one with the correct perspective, that you've closed your heart and your ears to the experiences, the perspectives of others. All of us, at times, we build walls, not bridges. We judge, we criticize, we seek more to be understood than to understand. Maybe what you need to be rescued from is an addiction, an addiction that you've been wrestling with for more years than you care to admit. There are wounds that you have, wounds that go deep, and so you have fallen into the practice of using alcohol or food or overwork or something else to numb you so that you won't feel quite so much pain. You're captive to this addiction. Try as you might to escape it. And you need a power greater than yourself to get free of it. A final question for us today, looking at this from a little bit of a different angle, is in the rescue that you are in need of, what is God's part and what is your part? What I mean by that is, in what ways are you in need of the unexpected engagement and intervention of our almighty and faithful God in whatever wilderness or storm or ocean that you face? What is your part? What ways do we need to simply make some decision or to take some action to usher in a new season in our lives, to live a life that more fully reflects the wholeness and the holiness that God created us for. In our scripture this morning, the Hebrew people had to do their part. They needed the faith to follow Moses as the sea was parting. It must have been terrifying. I mean, could you have imagined the conversations that they were having as they were right there on the brink of where that ocean had been, that sea, and they were, walk, they were invited to walk into that area where the sea had been parted. It must have been terrifying. But they followed him. And so in the rescue that you are in need of, what is your part? I think of Jesus' words in Matthew's gospel. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Don't just wait for someone else to do something to solve the problem you're facing, the storm that you're navigating, you do something, you do your part, that God might do God's part. And I close with this. I heard a story this past week of a boy, and this, as it was told to me, it happened some time ago, a, a boy who came home 
from school one hot afternoon, was anxious to take a swim in the cool pond behind his home. He lived in South Florida, and so taking a quick dip was a common way to cool off. He was so anxious to get in the water, he didn't even go inside to change his clothes. He just raced for the pond, dropping his shoes and shirt and socks as, as he ran. His mother spotted him diving off the dock into the water and went outside just to keep an eye on him as mothers are prone to do. And as she watched her son swim toward the middle of the lake, she also spotted an alligator moving from the far shore toward her son. And she began screaming the warnings, and the boy stopped in mid-swim. He finally understood the danger and began racing back toward the dock. And just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. It was a tug of war from a mother's worst nightmare. From the dock, she pulled his arms. From the water, the alligator held his leg. The water was quickly stained with blood. A farmer driving by heard the screams and ran to help. He shot the alligator and helped the mother call for help. The boy survived, and after several weeks of hospitalization, he was feeling incredibly better, and he was able to speak with some reporters. One reporter asked the child if he could see where the alligator had bitten his leg. And with the typical pride of a boy, he showed off his healing wounds to that reporter. But wait, said the boy, look at these. With that, he showed the reporter the scars on his arms. I have great scars on my arms as well. I have these because my mother wouldn't let go. Friends, in your life, in your journey of faith, what is it that you're in need of being rescued from? What fear, what addiction, what burden, what wound from your past? For our loving and faithful God is in the business of setting captive people free, of giving hope to those who have no hope. God's in the business of liberating us from the fears and burdens and sins that threaten to undo us. God's in the business of holding on to us with love and never letting us go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.